Leitana is a holistic health coach specializing in emotional wellness, inner child, and mindset work. She studied at the University of Roehampton, where she gained a Bachelor of Arts in early childhood, and then went on to study at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Leitana, welcome to the What Your Friends Know podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Do you want to start by maybe explaining what holistic, what a holistic health coach does? Sure. So I like to explain it and simplify it in three parts. So holistic health is all-encompassing and there are the three elements which are physical health, so um, how you move, what exercises really work for your body, and then there's the nutrition aspect, which a lot of people already know so much about. Um, but this is quite unique and quite special because like part of my, my studies really encouraged finding your like bio-individual unique way of eating rather than eating a certain way because, for example, things like keto or, mm. you know, different different diets, although they have amazing benefits, they may not work for you. And so I love that, like, it encouraged you to, like, tune in and, yeah. And then there's a, the spiritual aspects, so mindfulness and meditation, which I'm in love with. So that's kind of where um, niching down to emotional wellness, that's how it came about because it made the most sense for me. Um, so yeah, that's how I'd. Uh, that's how it's. Wow, made. that sounds amazing, and I feel like that's that can contrast a lot from what previously we were like. Veganism is the way to health. Keto is the way to health. Um, and I, what I found interesting is, um, and we'll get into this, is that you also sort of mentioned how different methods of exercise can either like increase your cortisol, and you know things that we think are traditionally healthy, like weightlifting, or mm-hmm. you know. Um, can actually not be healthy but um, do you usually find because you're obviously a coach so you work with clients what is the main thing that your clients would often come to you with? Do you know what Um, something actually that when we were trained um, the founder would also say is that uh, the clients that you'll attract will be They'll be you in, in different forms. They'll be you five years ago. They'll be you 10 years ago. And I, and I, I sort of thought about it and I was like, mm, I'm not sure, perhaps not. But everyone that I've worked with, have, have, they, they are me. They, they are me five years ago. And so I feel like I'm in this perfect position to, to help them because I've, I've been there. And so ironically, a lot of people um, tend to come to me for the mindfulness aspect. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if that's because that's what I'm kind of most passionate about and it's obvious and then they're like maybe that that all yeah Uh, but yeah so finding and creating more space in their lives whether they're like overworked overstressed and that self-connection a lot of people are lacking that Um, and I like to think of emotional health and wellness as like having this synergy between how you truly feel, what you say, and then how you show up, so how you implement. Mm. And to be able to do that, you first have to know, and to be able to know, you first have to create space to nurture that relationship with yourself. Um, so yeah, I think that's what that's what most people are like interested in. It's cool that you're a coach because we get thrown all this information at us, like be mindful, like mindfulness is books with like, that's the title. Yeah. Um, and I think that people are familiar with these concepts, but they don't know how to apply them to their life. Yes. And that's why I'd encourage like coaching for anyone. Um, I think some people think it's sort of like a frivolous um, 
way to spend money because you could always read up and um, implement it that way. But then you have mm. someone who, who knows you, who understands, who you've spoken to and connected with um, that can really help you find your bio individual needs. And yeah, the the purpose of a coach is not to have someone that will do do things for you, but just to like encourage that that journey. And eventually you'll do it on your own, but just having that support at wow. the start. Wow. Yeah. Um, and you've been working as a holistic health coach for eight months now. Do you often, um, and you created your own company for that. So yeah. how has that process been? Chaotic. Um, I'm very much like, I just want to get in there and like help people. I just want to share. I just want people to know that there's more. I just want people to know that like how they feel and like the things that they struggle with, it's not it's not unique and actually there is a way through and out of not to say that there there won't be moments when you are feeling down and you're experiencing depression that's such a normal part of the human experience and actually like that's something I try to encourage like actually going into going, going into that and I like to call it running toward the the storm um because that offers you just so much mm-hmm. um so I've really been focusing on actually helping people and so the the uniform (laughs) steps of setting up a business I've kind of just like neglected and I've asked people and delegated but it's been a really overwhelming actually but the the actuality of coaching amazing Mm. the business side I'm like ah yeah yeah. (laughs) but it's been a joy I would not change it it's it's I'm so certain it's my life's work now so Mm. yeah yeah that's really cool. And had you always wanted to get into holistic health coaching? Actually, no, it kind of feels like it fell into my lap. Um, I feel like uh, I had been going through this transitional like phase. I had been navigating a breakup and I had arrived at this place where it had left me with so much because grief teaches you the most. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, now that I've got this fresh start and palette, what do I want? Um, the quote comes to mind I'm not sure if I'm quoting it right but it's like what do you want to do with your weird and wonderful life so that kind of came to mind and because I was already so interested in nutrition and looking after myself that's a portal that the breakup opened which I'm so grateful for Um, and a lot of really cool people that I knew um, had studied at the school and I've listened to podcasts with them like kind of talking about it at the IAN Institute Yeah, yeah 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 But it never clicked that that would be my future. And then all of a sudden I was like, hey, I really like the idea of this. Let's explore it. So I spoke to someone and it seemed really doable. And so I started and I thought, if nothing else, I'll be better off for this because now I know how to nourish myself, like truly. Mm. Um, Because eating your your greens, amazing, incredible. But just, yeah, having having that much more information was great. And then toward the end of it, I was like, this is is it. And lots of things happened because it was... um, I was studying for a year. Lots of things happened along the way that made it feel like, yeah, this is it. This is it for me. This feels like home. Mm. It felt like all the things that I was doing as I was studying and encouraged to do were all things that I did anyway. Um, And what I didn't know, I was learning along the way, like the business aspect and the marketing aspect. Um, So, yeah, I didn't always know, but I feel like the life events in my life have like kind of dominoed effect and trickled mm. into this place which I really do feel like I'm supposed to be in um so yeah 
I like the, um, I had this question for later, but I feel like it fits in now. Um, To me, that sounds like sort of how I would describe it as like the universe sort of guiding you and, you know, Mm. you feel so in the right place and like it's that best feeling when you're in the right place at the right time doing your like life's purpose. Yeah. How would you sort of define um, the universe and how you can have, you know, universal guidance? How did I, yeah. People often refer to the universe in a, in a similar way to how religious people refer to God. What does the universe look to you look like to you and describe its power? Oh, this is great. You did refer to the universe a lot in like your Instagram and your writing and everything like that. Yeah, and so I'd geez, love to I? know. Gosh, now I have to like boil it down to one sentence. <laughs> um, for me, it's like, for me, it feels like this inner guidance. And I do feel like it's a part of me, it's everywhere. Um, the word omnipresent comes mm. to mind. Um, and I do I do feel like it's this this guiding force for me, this thing that if I'm ever in doubt, and I, I try actually not to, I try to keep it pretty vague because I, I grew up Christian, mm. um, but there were aspects that didn't really connect with me. Same. Um, I liked the community aspect. I liked that people had a place to go. I liked that we had this greater purpose and um, it can really, really encourage like being humble and just, yeah, doing your best. And I think that people function better when they're part of this community and society and they feel like they belong. Um, But yeah, it it felt divisive at times too. So yeah like I try when I think of the universe I just think it's I think we we all the thing that we call God is you know whether we want to um call it Allah or like Buddha it's the same thing it's just this this love that's always there always present and yeah that's how I would describe it just this guidance is always there always there um and I know that perhaps there might be people who don't feel that way um, but I do think that the the key to that is actually being open. Like as soon as you're open to it, you'll be able to see it. Mm-hmm. And psychology backs that too. Like you see what you want to, essentially. And I do sometimes think, am I seeing what I want to to see, or am I seeing what's real? And I've come to the the understanding that actually it doesn't matter because if at the end of my life um, I lived a more joyful one because I I was under the assumption or the delusion that there was this thing guiding me and always supporting me. And if I showed up kinder and better, then I've won anyway. And the world's a better place because of it. So actually, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like some people, their God is really rooted in religion. Yeah. Um, and I think other people, it's rooted in, you know, spirituality or... Mm. And I, I read a couple of books sort of back to back, like the power, no, the Celestine Prophecy mm, and then The Power of Now. now yeah. And they both sort of encouraged you to... to, to <laughs> to, de- to define God in your own yeah, way. Yeah. And I, that was a concept I'd never been familiar with because same, like raised religious and then sort of as I got older, like we stopped really um, going to church that much. But it sort of meant that I was introduced to God and it took me so long to see the word God and not associate it with like yeah. Jesus and, yeah. you know. I still, ha- I still have that actually. I have to really like kind of check myself. And yeah. Like, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, um, I do think that the universe, God, for me, are quite intertwined, but it's up to everyone to define it for themselves because I think you find so much peace in, you know, like I could be laying awake at night um, and, you know, 
at night when you're sleepy or whatever thoughts you can sort of get away with yourself you can get anxious or whatever but um and you're often alone as well and it's dark you know this sort of all compounds yeah um and I found that once I started defining God for myself I would feel quite comforted knowing that like I'm always in the presence of like the universe and God and Mm -hmm. it's in those times that I really found sort of comfort in that Mm. um and I think that's the point honestly I think you're supposed to create it for yourself I think you're you're supposed to decide actually what that means for you um, because then you're more connected to it and it's a more powerful force for you rather than why like, they said that this is it, so I guess this is it, mm. you know. And this sort of ties into the next question, which is about inner child work because mm. obviously that's sort of like a, it's almost like a buzzword now, but it's like, it's yeah. a great thing. Yeah, yeah. But it definitely is like a, you know, working on your inner child. How mm-hmm. would you, how do you often coach your clients through that? So I do that through meditation because um, I feel like that was my way in to my inner child, like sitting with myself for 10 minutes. And can I just say when I first, because like when I talk about meditation now and how long I meditate for, people are like, well, um, can't do that. And I just say when I first began, I was like 10 minutes. That's so long. (laughs) So you get there. But um, creating that stillness, awareness, like, I actually shared this story recently on my Instagram story where I had gone to this uh, meditation class, very new to me at the time, um, quite quite a few years ago. And uh, it was like a class in, was it Latimer Road, with this some teacher um, called Joe Sharp. He's amazing. Um, so I was on the mat meditating as you, as you are. And tears just started rolling down my eyes. And I was like, what? I don't feel sad. And I describe it and I just, um, I kind of say that from that moment on, I knew that I needed to come back to that place. Mm. I know I needed to, I knew I needed to come back to the stillness and the quiet because I didn't understand what was going on, but I knew that there was more and there was something wanting to be expressed and felt. And that's then how I kind of move forward and try and help people get into um, understanding or getting to know their inner child. Um, we all have those moments where we can kind of like rattle off that kind of um, from childhood that hurt us a bit, but actually we don't really sit with them and sometimes we might make jokes about them. And it's real scary stuff sitting with your feelings. Um, they can be, they can feel so potent and as as everyone refers to it as the shadow, it can really feel that way, but the what you get from it from sitting there and braving the storm is just so magical and not only that but you are like no longer afraid you you realize that actually like um I can I can face this and you feel stronger for it so yeah meditation I would say is my way in and is the way that I encourage other people to to um connect with their inner child and it's the most um it's probably the most basic question to do with meditation but for people who have a super busy, like, uh, sorry, not busy because everyone's busy. <laughs> it's sort of like, oh, I didn't check my phone. It's like you yeah. live on your phone. You check your phone. But um, sort of when when you get triggered, you know how they, I think you said, if it's hysterical, it's historical. You know, mm-hmm. if something mm-hmm. makes you really upset, mm-hmm. it's probably because you have roots in like in like the pain body, as Eikato would say. Mm-hmm. But um, if you are sort of triggered by something, but you don't have the time, space or environment to 
deal with that in that moment? Mm-hmm. How do you usually like like acknowledge your emotion that's come up, but it's sort of in a way that you can do it in a public space or when you're yeah. pressed for time or something? That's such a great question. Um, I know that I always try and make space at the end of the day. So journaling is amazing for that when you have got the time. But in the moment, breath. Mm, I always forget forget that that's there. Honestly, it's always there and we barely ever use it. And me too, I'm saying this here now, but I sometimes forget. Mm. Um, A little bit less now than I used to, but just like breathing once even, it just immediately feels... And also you'll realise like your posture. So if you're, I think also meditation really helps you become aware of that. Like when you're in like conflict, you're kind of like this and then you are quicker to realise that you're actually hunched Mm. because you meditate. So like there are some movements that you can do with your body that will will, like immediately tell it like I'm safe, it's okay. Um, So for me, (laughs) a lot of my triggering will happen at work naturally. Uh, so I'll I'll try and adjust my body and I'll try and breathe and when I get the time or space like I'll put my hand on my on my heart on my belly and something that I I use in my meditations that I like guide other people through and and my own is just to tell myself that I'm safe mm. and I'm here um, because often the reason why we're so like emotionally charged just because this is like reminding us of that time that this happened and it's like not again but if you're just here yeah just reminding yourself of that so Mm. yeah breath and and watching your posture yeah Yeah. I immediately as soon as you mentioned it I was like (laughs) I set up like isn't it just so much better to just roll your shoulders back and be like yeah just like one deep breath yeah if you haven't got time, just do one, just do mm. one. And then come back to it at the end of the day and be like, what what was, what was, came up for me? Mm. Um, yeah. You On your Instagram, you wrote, um, if you're wanting something new that you haven't had before, know that something has to leave its place. We cannot be in new and old places. We have to, we cannot hold on and let go. Mm. And that really resonated with me. Um, how would you sort of put that into practice, the sort of the idea of, if um if you want to move forward but you're not too sure of what that requires you of letting go yeah um say if someone like for me for example right now um if I want to progress in my career um often when I was younger I used to think that if I wanted to be successful I had to spend less time with my friends um and Mm. that's sort of the trade-off that I would let go of to gain but that probably isn't that healthy in the long term because then you feel a little bit more isolated how would you put that into practice yeah I also just want to say that like I do feel like relationships are just the most important thing like friendships family all of that Mm so never let that go um when I wrote that I I was also kind of transitioning and um through like a new space like it was kind of the time I decided to study at IAN and I felt like I was becoming this new person but there were like things that I hadn't yet let go of from my past like doubts and and fears and so it was just kind of like and also people actually and sort of mindset too like this idea of who I was or who I am and just having to like know that in order to move into this person whoever it is that you want to be like like whatever that is, there will be people and things and events that just do not align. And 
let's just use alcohol, for example, as um, an example. So if you are wanting to create deeper connections or um, wanting to engage in the, the mindfulness space a little bit or just explore that and see what it's like and if you would like it and things... I guess what I'm saying is it won't serve you to continue, like, part. of course, parties are fine, but, like, partying every Saturday. Mm. And perhaps there are people that you love dearly. And something I've really come to understand is that there's nothing wrong inherently with people. You just have to sort of adjust whether connection that you both have serve you and the place that you're going. And that doesn't necessarily mean, like, cutting them off, but perhaps you just see them less. Um, so it's just taking inventory in your life and seeing what, where you want to go and where do these things that you currently have fit into that space because you cannot hold on to this friendship and uh like the kind of friendship it is and and still be the person like over there that you're you're aiming for because those are two different people mm. so perhaps it is the right decision to 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 cut people off only you know that but ultimately i think it's just shifting and um yeah realizing that some you do have to let go of things like I've shifted a lot of my um, friendships and I still have them, but we're now different kind of friends, you know? And so it's just exploring what that might look like because I love them so much, but like, yeah, it just didn't fit. It I couldn't like continue on the self-exploration path of like the deep work path. I know everyone says deep work, but I really do mean like meditating for like an hour a day or so and still like run out, grab drinks at a bar, like... It would just take me away from myself. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because um, I think often people discredit people who are more spiritually inclined um, as being like, you know, not rooted in reality, not like mm, doing, yeah. you know, and yeah. I think that's really harmful because yeah. realistically people need to be a little bit more spiritual. You I'm, know, it wouldn't I'm hurt. All for being whimsical. Like yeah. that's my whole life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that's, you know, we are seeing a progression towards people being more accepting of that, which is really cool. And um, I think it honestly did start, you know, it rooted in the fact that these are just things in that we can touch that have changed. Like, for example, almond milk used to be like, oh, you drink almond milk? Like, you know, you're yeah. this type of person. Yeah. Now everyone drinks almond milk yeah. and the big corporations are making almond milk. Like, yeah. there's a shift, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just... <laughs> Um, and then something else you wrote. I have only three things where I'm quoting you, I promise. I won't continue reading all your work back like, to you. I'm like, girl, when did you write that? <laughs> um, but you wrote, you can either move through life like you are meant to be here or as if it's an obligation. Mm. And that's, that's really, like, lit something up in me because I often, it's so often oh, to feel that. like things that you do in your daily life are, like, chores, you yeah. know, or the, the t- time you have to spend with loved ones. I'm so far from... My loved ones now that when I spend time with them, I'm lucky to to view it as like these are cherished moments. Yeah. But I think it's so easy and like no one can be blamed for thinking like over time, if you see these people all the time, that it feels a bit tedious. Yeah. Um, but what sort of state were you in when you wrote that quote there? So I think there's, um, I'm trying to remember the quote that I kind of... Do you want to look? Took. Yeah, I took a bit of... There's something that Ram Dass says, like, I can't, it's, I kind of took inspiration from that. Uh, we'll come back to it. It'll come back to me, hopefully, before this, this episode <laughs> ends. What was the name uh, of the person? Ram Dass. Ram Dass. Mm-hmm. Who is that? He's an amazing, like, spiritual teacher. Oh, wow. No longer alive, but, yeah, like, 
amazing perspective. Um, but I'll think about I'll think about what the quote is. And I read it like years and years ago. And I think I think I, although they're my original ideas, I think we all kind of are, are influenced by all mm. the things that we read and see and hear and and so, um, yeah. Yeah, like once you read it, once you've read a book, for example, like um, have you ever re- read any Sally Rooney? No, but I really want to read Beautiful Beautiful World. Where are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I'm all great such books. Such a personal development like junkie. Like I love mm. that. Like so, whenever I have a clearing when I finished a book and I have the ability to read something else, I'm like, well, like clearly I want to understand more. I want to know more, and I do go through phases where I'm like okay that's enough now because <laughs> they do say like you need time to integrate it yeah like 100%. I you can't just continue to read books but yeah I need to get into to mm. that side of things she's just great at doing like glorifying the mundane mm. you know like you'll realize you'll you'll read that book and you'll finish it and you'll sit on the bus and you're like this is so beautiful yeah. like you know like you feel like a character yeah. but I so agree with what you mean integrating it I finished the power of now by I got told and I was I like let me get the next one and then I started reading the next one I was, was like whoa you, yes yeah. yeah um and then I was like okay I do need time to integrate yeah. it because there are such great concepts that yeah. he speaks of I think I was listening to also I was on my way to like my family home I think and I was listening to Jacob Banks and the lyrics were something like um love is just a decision the choice is yours and I think I felt a little bit inspired inspired by that just Mm. yeah and I guess what I mean by that is like it can it can be a chore like I guess nobody wants to wake up super early and do and do their thing but I just think life is so much more joyful if like it's kind of what I said earlier like I could believe that the universe is always guiding me and that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and I could be wrong but I'll get to the end of my life and I would have lived fully and Mm. Because that's my thing, like living a life fully expressed, doing the things that terrify me, but just to know that I did them. And so, yeah, it's kind of just like, if we, I, I do feel like we're all as humans a little bit delusional anyway. We don't ever have the full truth. Mm. So choose choose your best delusion. Choose the one that, that I've kind of said this before, but offers you like the most joy. Um, so really do believe that you have this purpose here. Like it doesn't have to be this big thing, you don't have to save the world, but just maybe to spread love or perhaps to, um, for other people, it could be like mothering children, having this amazing family or like having a farm and growing crops or standing for this cause. But like, yeah, I think people are, are better off when they kind of feel like, yeah, they're meant to be here, that this was no accident. Mm. Um, yeah. They say that, that was incredible. Um, they say that people who have like, you know, you can give people food and money and everything like that. And obviously that's n- required for life. But yeah. if you give someone purpose, if mm. you allow them to find their purpose and live it, you'll have peace. You'll yeah. have world peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, you got to find it yourself. No yeah. one can be like, this is what's going to give you purpose. Yeah. Um, and I guess with the school system, they try to expose you to different things and yeah. there's a lot of issues with that, but, um, not exposing you to different things, but, um, what you can't be taught is, is the act of finding your purpose. That's sort of, you either run into it or you don't find it and then you're stuck at this dead end and you're forced to find it. Like, yeah. um, doing a bit of a U, U-turn. Sure. Um, earlier this year, you were commissioned to write an article on the psychology behind the food we choose to love. Mm-hmm. And I found that so interesting because yeah. it, um, although I expected it to be like, 
um, you know, very like we eat five a day vegetables because this, it was, you started with talking about how our mother's food consumption during pregnancy and then followed by behaviors in early childhood impact the way we eat. And I found that really interesting. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Sure. Um, so it just kind of refers to lots and lots of research done on like the mother's palate and what she eats. And obviously we already know that that's like going through her and then into you, but it actually turns out that it determines like the things that you love because there are so many correlations. So when I was writing this, I, and it's it was really fun actually because I felt like I got to like relearn some things I already knew. Um, and as I was writing it, I was kind of just like checking with my mum as well. Like, what did you eat when I was in your tummy? And there were so many like correlations mm. and things that she loved eating that I adore. Like, um, but yeah, it was an it was an interesting sort of opportunity to have and I I felt like I chose the name because it just felt like so much more open opening and and interesting rather than like this is why this is why you eat the way you eat mm. but rather like the cho- the food that you choose to love I mean I guess in some way you don't actually choose it but yeah and, yeah and how does that how does that help people who have maybe their mothers didn't have healthy habits or they they didn't really set healthy ad- behaviors towards food, like, um, but which is natural, you know, like sort of eating issues are so rampant in society and like obesity, especially in New Zealand is, is huge. Yeah. Um, how do people sort of fight against that? If, if our f- food habits were learnt in such an early, like vulnerable state of our brains, like yeah. how do we fix that if we, if we are quite unhealthy with the way we eat? Mm. Well, luckily, of course, there are things that come predetermined, but you have agency. Like, there's like, you know, nature and nurture, and you can choose to, to, to eat better. Of course, like, the road to that will look different for everyone, um, but you can start to make healthful choices. And I know that I wrote about how actually, how when you were happier, you made better choices anyway. Yeah. Um, and sorry to go back to this but I just feel like meditation is a great way there um I feel like everything just unfolded like perfectly because you meditated you got to know yourself better um or you felt better you felt calmer um and then now you want to do better because you feel better Mm -hmm. you want to eat better you want to nourish yourself like that's like one of my favorite things to do like my favorite ways to love myself like eating really like amazing nourishing foods and I think that that's like the best kind of mindset to have toward food and I'm really fortunate to like have arrived there without having any um you know sort of hiccups in terms of like the eating disorders and things that you've referred to like I've always had this like yeah open and had like like always looked at food in reverence like wow this is this is cool I get to eat this um but yeah, going back to what you had asked, which was, was how do how, people who has sort of weren't role modelled healthy food behaviours in childhood? How, how would you, if a client came to you with that issue, how would you mm-hmm. sort of approach that? Okay, um, so I think aside from the the emotional like health aspect, 
I think just trying, just actively and consciously trying to, to eat better, but only implementing like one or two, one or two different foods at a time. It isn't like this quick turnaround and this like super easy journey. It, w- it will be a conscious de- like decision to, to eat better and try different things. We have this um, concept called crowding out, which means like you're not turning your your diet around immediately and saying this is how I'm eating now, but rather just replacing one of the food items that you typically would eat with something that you know is a bit better. Mm. And over time, you'll find that you you have replaced two and then three. And that's kind of how I I kind of have got to how I currently eat, like crowding out and. I don't do it purposely, but most of the time I look at my plate and it's like mostly plants. And there was a time in my life where I was like, ugh, that's really restrictive. Like I I couldn't imagine not having like mm. a massive bit of chicken. Like I still love meat, but yeah, I guess what I'm saying is you can, there is a way that you can like fine tune your body. And now my body craves that nourishment. Like I can eat, like yesterday I had McDonald's actually, and it was great. <laughs> but like after a while I'm like, oh gosh, I really want some mm. like, nourishing food so you can you can definitely do something about it you can definitely change I would just say do it gently and do it slowly and and crowd out as I say like try a new replacement each time and um yeah eventually you'll find that your body actually wants those because your cells turn over and like just Mm. this amazing incredible thing but yeah wow I've never heard of the concept of crowding out but that like even as you were speaking I was like that actually yeah, sounds... Yeah, literally just putting too yeah, much on. Yeah, I was immediately, I thought of like things that I could do in that aspect, but I've never heard of it. And and what you what you touched on with the whole idea of like restrictive, you mm-hmm. know, like um, I think the way that we all are now, and I know that I am, like it's, it's difficult to sort of understand that there's a world in which you can have such great balance and it doesn't have to be this conscious, like I'm eating a salad yeah. today, I'm not eating or I'm... Or I'm, I have to have, you know, this chocolate in order to sure. have my 80, 20, like, oh gosh, you know, yeah. it's such a muddled world. And, and often when we reach for food or we try to fuel, fuel ourselves, we don't have every ingredient we'd want. We don't have the time. We don't have the mind space. Often mm-hmm. if we're hungry, we're foggy, like our oh cl- goodness, thoughts yeah. clouded. I you crash know? and burn. I can't be left hungry for too long. Yeah. We're like <laughs> the most vulnerable when we're hungry and that's yeah. when we're like, make a balanced meal um yeah but that that's so that's so interesting I've really never heard anyone speak about it like that so thank you um and I think oh yeah the last topic that I want to touch on is you've written about imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. being a good thing because it means you're growing um I know for a lot of people and definitely myself it can be viewed as such a negative thing yeah um how would you assist someone in shifting that belief Um, So the way I like to think of it is that if you are feeling like you don't belong in a place, it's a really good indication that you're growing. Like, because here's your comfort over here and you're over there. And so it's just, um, it's a mindset shift because the fear doesn't disappear and all the feelings that come with it, they don't go away. But rather it's kind of just having like, you can really, if you are mindful about it, you can really train your mind to have this sort of like domino effect so a thing happens and then you think of a thing and then you do a thing and of course it takes quite a while but once you get there so the moment I start to feel that way I'm like well I must be in a place that I wasn't before and then I focus solely on that like what a joy that is Mm -hmm. I'm I'm growing and I'm afraid and 
this is kind of what I intended, right? When I decided that I wanted to be more or quote unquote better or less of something else. And so I think it's just like instilling that in your mind, like really instilling it, knowing that the moment you feel it, you could tap into that fear and be like, holy shit, like, do I know what I'm doing? But, or you could be like, wow, like I'm here again. Um, and like each new time that you're there, it kind of means that you've, you've integrated something or built upon a place that you once were. So I see that as such like a privilege, mm. especially of course, no judgment where um, in a world where people don't, don't decide to shift or change or grow, which obviously is fine, but it's such brave work, such brave work. And I've also just come to expect it. I think when you run from something, it becomes scarier. Mm. When you face it and you're like, oh, it's this thing and it's here again. You're like, you do have an eye roll. You're like, oh gosh, because mm. I love this work. But also sometimes I'm like, oh, can I just have a nap? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think it's just befriending it. Yeah. I love that. Definitely. I definitely find myself running from things often. And I know that I've credited imposter syndrome for me not doing a lot of things in my mm. life. And I think that that's something that as, as I've gotten older, I've been like, that's actually not yeah. a reason. You know, I think when I would be like, oh, but I got imposter syndrome. I just feel such imposter <laughs> <That's> syndrome. <fine. laughs> yeah. It's almost like, okay, well now that I've said to someone that I feel imposter syndrome, it's now their job to console me and be like, no, you you should be yeah. there, but I need to do that to myself. It is, it's hard work though, like constantly like being there and pushing and reassuring yourself that like you've got this mm. and it's okay to actually sometimes be like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know if I do have this. That's part of the process. You cannot be like constantly, um, yeah, on an incline. So I think that's fine. I think it's just acceptance really. That's something I've really been trying to, prioritize lately just accepting it for what it is because it is what it is anyway so why fight it mm. um so yeah I think it might also just be another route of like self-sabotage you know like well I feel imposter syndrome and therefore you know I'll kind of I'll leave it and mm. again like befriending that self-sabotage and realizing what it is that we actually get from that what safety and comfort we get from just being like, I'm not going to take this on and I'm going to stay in this place that keeps me safe where I know the route and I know all the corners and there are no surprises. And um, yeah, I think when people speak about sabotaging, it's in a very like kind of fighty way, like beat yourself sabotage. But actually mm -hmm. I say like befriend it, befriend everything. Actually, that's the that's the quickest way through, through all things. Um, but it's hard, obviously, because then you have to actually accept truths that you might not like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm actually this kind of person. Okay. Mm. <laughs> um, Self-awareness is key to, mm -hmm. uh, to everything in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and wrap it up. So this is the What Your Friends Know podcast. Um, and the last question is, what do you think is the greatest lesson you've learned from your friends? Oof. I want to say unconditional love, actually, because that's something I've always... Um, connected with family like you always have your family they'll always love you but and it's not something I've learned from them through like advice um because unsurprisingly I've I've typically been the advisor mm. um but just the way that they have loved me through all my stages that's been a lesson in itself like they're always there they're always ready for this like new person that my cocoon has like 
has brought forward. I, I did not know that I could be unconditionally loved by people outside of my family. Oh. Um, when I was younger, I always felt it was a family thing. Mm. So they've taught me that by just showing up, by just being themselves, by just being here for the ride, like that's so special. Mm. Um, yeah, because I've oh, been like so 20 people in the last five years. So, and they're just here. Mm. They're the yeah. constant. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. This, this has been so perfect. <laughs> and honestly, you can feel the cool breeze now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm.